1: This is a CBC Podcast. A trip to the dentist will soon get easier for many Canadians. Yesterday, the federal government unveiled its national dental plan. It's going to be the government's largest new social program. It's going to cost about $13 billion.
0: Yes, there certainly is a cost to make sure that everybody has access to the oral health care they need. But we get to wake up in a society where people have access to that. That's not a small thing. And I am certain with time, as we're going to be able to demonstrate the enormous cost avoidance that this is going to mean.
1: The plan is expected to help nearly a third of Canadians who don't have access to private insurance. Here's how it's going to work. Who is eligible? Households that make $90,000 or less. You don't have a private insurance plan, and your taxes are up to date. Here's what we know is covered at this point. Cleanings. X-rays, fillings, root canals, extractions, and dentures. Depending on your income, you might have to pay a portion out of pocket. And the timeline. Not everyone will be eligible at once. Letters will be sent out to seniors 87 and older this month, with more age brackets being added each month until March 2024. Then, in May, that application will move online as people 65 and older become eligible. Kids under 12 already are eligible, but that will jump up to kids under 18 starting in June of 2024. And the same goes for people with disabilities. Canadians of all ages who qualify are scheduled to have access by 2025. Dr. Heather Carr is the president of the Canadian Dental Association. Dr. Carr, good morning.
2: Good morning. I'm happy to be here.
1: Glad to have you back on the program. You and I spoke last month about the rising cost of dental care. You just heard the health minister say that Canadians have woken up in a country where people now have access to dental care. What do you make of this plan?
2: Well, I, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but the Canadian Dental Association has been advocating for these individuals in our society who haven't had access to care for many years now. So anything that's going to improve... Their um opportunity to have good oral health outcomes is a positive.
1: you could imagine that there are a number of Canadians who will be accessing dental care over the next few months and years who haven't been able to afford it um, in past because of what we talked about the last time you and I spoke. How prepared are dentists across this country to deal with that?
2: Well, I think the as I said, we've been advocating it, so we're absolutely. Keen to see these individuals get the care they need, we are like every other healthcare sector. We do have um, staffing issues and shortages, and we're hoping from our discussions with the government that they will add um, some help through their oral health access to care fund um, as a separate uh, funding source.
1: One of the things that we've heard about is that when you talk about concerns around staffing, for example, this is staffing when it comes to hygienists and for administrative staff. How big of an issue is that?
2: Well, dental assistants as well, the entire team. And, it you know, it, it was an issue prior to covid I would say, and I don't have an exact statistic, but I'm guessing maybe one in five or six offices was still looking to add staff. Mm. And since mm-hmm. COVID, it's become a much, much bigger issue.
1: And so what what needs to be done to make sure, I mean, again, if, if large numbers of people are going to arrive, that they can actually get the care that they need because <laughs> the, the staff is there to, to treat them?
2: We need to work on having some good, sensible training programs. And um, that some consultation with the dental professions. will will move that forward.
1: Dentists are going to be invited to enroll on a voluntary basis in this plan. You are a practicing dentist, and I mean, I think you were just doing a checkup as we dialed you up this morning. <laughs> yeah. Will you enroll in this?
2: At this point, there's, I, there's not enough details. So I, we're, you notice that there are some parts of the announcement that were uh, high level, and the dental associations, the provincial and territorial dental associations, are still having discussions with. The federal government to make sure that this plan uh, really will care for patients the way it needs to
1: help me understand that, because as you said, dentists have been calling for this, but you have some reluctance or hesitation about enrolling yourself. What are you waiting to hear?
2: Well, I I'm very keen on the plan, but I want it to be done right. And we're looking to make sure that the government has set it up so that it's patient-centered, they can select their own dentist of choice, uh, that you're able to go to your existing offices. We want to make sure that the administration burden is not overwhelming. And we've already talked about, you know, our our staff are working at top capacity and and we can't have a lot of red tape that we have to get through uh, for these individuals in order to get them care. Uh, We want something that's truly prevention-based because... In dentistry, it's so important to catch things when it's early rather than let it develop into something more serious mm. and to cover the full cost of the treatment for these patients.
1: I want to get to the red tape piece in a moment, but what are you hearing from other dentists? Are they Again, a program like this is only successful as the dentists who are there waiting to see those patients. Are you hearing from other dentists that they will enroll or are they also taking a wait and see approach?
2: What I'm hearing from the dentists is they need more information. And, you know, the federal government has committed to continuing discussions over the next couple months. So as more information is available and we can share it with the dentist, then they'll be able to make an informed decision.
1: Tell me about the administrative workload here, because dentists will have to submit claims themselves to Sun Life for payment with the plan. How concerned are you about that?
2: Well, I think that, um, you know, dental offices are used to working with insurance companies. But... Um, When you're sometimes dealing with the federal government, some of the requirements could be a little more um, excessive just because of the way that they have their paperwork set up. So I think that is something that the provincial associations and the territorial associations are having really clear discussions. And, you know, uh, Minister Holland said yesterday that he wants a fair deal for the dentist and we're taking him at his word. And so we'll know more as we continue to chat with him.
1: What does a fair deal mean?
2: It just has to be something that will work for all parties and allow the patients to get the care that they need from the dentist that they want to see.
1: I guess I'm just, if patients can't get care now, I'm still trying to figure out how this could not be patient-centered. The whole point of of, of creating a program like this, ostensibly, is to make sure that patients actually have access to care. So when you you talk about it being patient-centered, what specifically are you looking for?
2: We just want to make sure that the patients have choice as to where they get their treatment and that the dental offices are able to handle the administrative burden and make sure that the patients also... I'll give you an example, and I'm not saying this is a given, but Mm -hmm. one thing that I could think of is if a patient has um, accessibility issues or has to come a long way for treatment. If they come to my office and I, I diagnose them, I know what they need, but if I have to send off to get approval... That, that could delay the treatment, or in some cases, if individuals have a difficulty getting in, it, it could make it almost impossible for them to receive the treatment. So we want it to be smooth and seamless. We want it to be able to, to make sure that it addresses the needs it does.
1: In an opinion piece in the Hill Times this fall, you stressed, in your words, the critical importance of minimizing disruptions for those Canadians who already have dental benefits. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, there there is a concern. You know, the estimate is that 9 million Canadians will have access to this care. But if employers stop, you know, benefits, if they decide, well, there's a federal plan, this is an expense for us, I should just not have dental care. There's two issues with that. One is... Will the patient have the same level of care they had under their private plan? We're not certain of that. And even more importantly, and I don't know if it's more important, but it's as important, Mm -hmm. is that you could end up with up to 17 million Canadians on this national plan. And the government just that would that would make it less sustainable because it would increase the cost substantially for the government. The other issue we have is they're still discussing with the provinces how this will blend with their plans. Some provinces have excellent plans for patients who are in need and others don't. So that that's a big question mark for the dentists.
1: What evidence is there that employers would get rid of their private plans in the face of this?
2: Well, it, it I don't know that there's evidence, but it's more of a, a fear, a common sense fear. If we've talked about every sector has economic challenges right now, and if you're an employer and you perceive, I'm not saying it's accurate, but if you perceive that your employees would receive dental care without you having to provide the private, that that, that would be very attractive. But I think what we have to be very careful is to make sure that those employer-sponsored plans are maintained because they're a critical part. You know, we've talked about 35% of Canadians not getting care, but the reality is because of those plans in part and personal resources, 65% of Canadians have great care. And I don't want to see that number to decrease when we're trying to make an effort to improve access for those who don't have it. How would
1: a plan like this benefit Canadian dentists and their businesses?
2: You know, it, it's it's interesting. We go through different um, phases in dentistry. I, I suspect, you know, most dentists, and especially those in certain areas and rural areas, are very busy right now. But, you know, I've been out for 35 years. I treat a lot of the individuals who would be covered by these plans. I'm proud to be a professional, and I'm a caring professional. And when I talk to dentists, they really want the opportunity to help some individuals who um, can't receive care. I'll just give you a really quick. But you, just just to be clear, you you would
1: make more money though too, right? I mean, if, if there are more patients coming through the door, and that's I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but the, the, no, the dentist if, would make more money. if you're
2: compensated too. fairly, absolutely. Yeah. But but I think you know, I like I was about to say my patient who is retiring, uh, minimal income, and she just loses her benefits because she turns 65. And unfortunately, as we age, we have even more oral health issues. There's more dental problems. And and at the time when people stop getting care is when they need it most. So there's there's many issues related to this problem.
1: We'll wait for the details. In the meantime, I can imagine that you need to get back to work. If we've reached you (laughs) at the office, Dr. Carr, thank you very much.
2: Look, I'm happy to answer questions at any time. And as I say, anything that's going to improve care for patients is a win. We just have to make sure that the government gets it right.
1: Glad to talk to you again. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Dr. Heather
1: Heather Carr, president of the Canadian Dental Association.
2: Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Café with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Dr. Paul Allison is a dentist and professor in the Faculty of Dental Medicine and Oral Health Sciences at McGill University. Dr. Allison, good morning to you. Good morning, Matt. You've been calling for a Canada-wide dental plan for for many years now. How big of a deal is this, what what the government announced yesterday?
0: This is a really big deal. Um, It's the biggest thing that's happened in dentistry in Canada for decades. It's a really good thing uh, that we're bringing public dental care to lots of people who simply can't afford to get to the dentist and have other uh, barriers to getting to dental care.
1: Qualify that praise for me. Why do you say that it is the biggest thing that's happened
0: in, in, in dental care and in dentistry in this country for decades? Well, dent- dental care, uh, as Heather was just saying, is uh, provided very well in private dental offices um, throughout the country to those people who can get to the offices uh, because, largely because they can afford to get to them. But uh, there's been, over the last uh, 10, 15 years, an increasing proportion of the population who can't get to the dentist because uh, insurance has been diminishing um, and the cost of care is increasing and the nature of uh, employment is in cha- is changing. Mm. So um, th- there's lots of people now uh, with high levels of disease who can't afford to get to the dentist. And as Heather was saying, they wait and they wait. and then And they uh, have much more serious conditions. And the problem is it's those people who are the poorest and most marginalized in our communities that have the – Greatest is getting access to dental care. So you have an, uh, increasing levels of inequality in uh, oral health uh, across Canada. Let's hear from one of those people. Uh, we spoke with her last
1: month. She's in Burnaby, BC. Her name is Haley Bouchard. When she was a kid, her teeth didn't calcify properly, so she gets cavities easily. She doesn't have dental insurance, and she can't afford to go to the dentist regularly. Have a listen.
2: Part of a tooth will just break off out of nowhere. I might be eating something soft. I'm dealing with. A root canal I had months ago that I'm still feeling pain there. I know I have a cavity in another tooth and I did not even get the left side of my mouth x-rayed because it was too expensive to have a full exam. I put things off until I have some money, but the longer I put things off, the more expensive it gets and then an emergency happens and I have to find something right away. I've ended up in the ER twice. It's always on my mind every time I open my mouth. I know people are looking and they can see the decay.
1: Dr. Allison, how important is it that, I mean, with patients like Haley, this plan is going to cover not just diagnostic care, but also things like root canals and extractions and dentures down the line, that those things are are part of of this kind of program, that they're, they're part of this plan?
0: Well, again, it's really important. Uh, I think, you know, just listening to that very powerful uh, testament to, to an experience, uh, it's very, very clear that we have to put the mouth back into the body. We have this quirk of history that has separated the mouth from the body, separate professions and separate systems of care. Um, and uh, if that was, if, if Haley was describing something happening to her arm or to another part of her body we'd all be going well and you need to get that care and mm-hmm. you just go along to the doctor um, but she can't because dentistry has been traditionally in the private sector so we need to bring it back uh, we need uh, and, and commonly lots of people uh, in Haley's sort of situation, we'll have other chronic uh, health problems as well, uh, and we need to be integrating dental care with the general health care um, system in terms of uh, where patient clinics are and where we provide those services. Let's talk about that, about where this care is
1: going to be provided, because in rural and remote communities who might not have access to enough dentists or hygienists, where will people get care, do you think? How do we need to think about that differently?
0: Well as you say we need to really start thinking about this differently the the classic model again that works very well for for the majority of people they can they can get to the uh, dentists, they can afford the care, but uh, increasingly, a quarter to, uh, to a third of the population cannot. Um, and it's not just finances; it's the the transport to get there, the distances. But there's lots of people with all sorts of disabilities. There's people who live in long term care centres, and they just can't get to the dentist. So we really need to think about um, going to these patients, as opposed to expecting these patients to come to us. What does that mean? What, what, what would what would care look like if you go to those patients? So we have to set up clinics uh, in uh, regional hospitals, in uh, community and social services centers, in long-term care centers. We have to uh, set up domiciliary and, and mobile dentistry, we have to train our he- oral health professionals to do this. We have to use things like teledentistry um, and we have to use the, the technology we have like uh, the electronic charts uh, to uh, give us uh, broader ways of dealing with uh, the complex oral health needs that are integrated with the complex general health and social needs of uh, of these groups uh, that I'm referring to. You heard
1: Dr. Carr talk about the concern that she has that there aren't enough dentists. Assistance and administrative staff to help dentists actually implement this plan? That if there are a number of people who are arriving at the dentist who haven't gone for a while, that the clinics that exist right now could be overwhelmed? How concerned are you about those staffing issues?
0: Well, clearly, you know, we've been hearing, uh, particularly since the pandemic, in in all healthcare sectors, there's uh, there's not enough workforce. Uh, so, it's really an issue. And of course, if we're going to add to the work, which it sounds like we probably will because there'll be more people coming to see dental professionals across the country, then yes, it's already a concern. So, I can understand Heather and her colleagues working in private offices across the country are concerned about this. But I can tell you, uh, working in, in a faculty of uh, dentistry, um, uh, that we in the dental schools and in the dental colleges, training hygienists and denturologists across the country, we are ready to uh, take on the responsibility of training more and training people in different ways if we get the resources that were that are necessary mm. to do that. We don't talk often about the cost of healthcare in this country.
1: I mean, you'll hear the cost of a large program, but we don't talk about the cost of individual procedures. But there is a belief, yes, that this is going to cost a lot of money, but it could save money because people like Haley that we heard from earlier say that she goes to the emergency department Department um, to get care. Just finally and briefly, how 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 much of an issue is that? Do you think that we we might have uh, a savings within the healthcare system because people don't need to go to an ER
0: to access timely care? absolutely I think you know the, the fact that lots of people have to go to an ER um, and with all respect to the to the physicians and nurses and others that are working in those ER when when a patient goes with a dental problem and there's no dentist to help uh, care for that patient they'll on- often end up getting prescribed a painkiller and an antibiotic um, and often that's not going to help very uh, very much so it's not only is it a waste of their time it's a waste uh, of the patient's time it's a waste of the doctor's time it's not efficient care, so it's a a complete waste. We need to set up a proper system where uh, people are getting, as we said, preventive care in their dental offices, but also where they're getting good urgent care as needed in these local community uh, oral health centers linked with the GPs and other health and social services.
1: You're really encouraged by this though. I mean, the, the, the timeline is all Canadians have access to this dental plan by 2025. You're encouraged
0: by, by, at the very least, the details that we know so far. I'm encouraged because, as I said, there's 30% of the population really struggling to get oral health care. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a big step forward. Of course, there's going to be issues with it. And as Heather was referring to, the devil's in the details – Um, But it's a really big step forward. Um, So, yes, I'm encouraged. uh, And we hopefully will work out the problems as we move forward with this. Mm. And, again, I'm a strong believer in in even further integrating dental care into the general medical system in this country. Put the mouth back in the body, I think, is a phrase that you use. Put the mouth back in the body, absolutely.
1: Dr. Allison, thank you very much.
0: It's a pleasure. Thank you
1: very much, Matt. Dr. Paul Allison, dentist and professor in the Dental Medicine and Oral Health uh, Faculty at McGill University. Love to hear from you on this. You can email us, thecurrent at cbc.ca. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.